when you really have encounter, things change. Victory is mine before my eyes can see. You need a new birth experience. Now there's nothing that can keep me from my promise. Send apart to God. Direct access. No, Welcome, everybody. Hope you guys are well today. Breaking through, I'm James Levesque. And listen, I believe with all my heart, today is your day for a breakthrough. Tune in. We're going to be praying for you at the end. And at any point you want prayer throughout the program, we're here for you. 1-800-599-3722. I want to title this one today, Who is the Greatest? Who is the Greatest? You know, it was something the disciples said to Jesus but it's something that's probably debated every day in, you know, barbershops around the world. I like sports. I like sports radio. Um, and, you know, it's always funny when this discussion happens because, you know, people say, well, you know, who's the greatest in whatever, right? And, and a lot of times you're talking about sports, right? So in basketball, it always was this, you know, is it LeBron James or Michael Jordan, you know? I've had the privilege to see them both play, and I'll tell you, it's definitely Michael Jordan. But people debate it. They love the conversation. They love, you know, is it championships or is it just a finals appearances? Or, you know, anytime you're dealing with athletes, iconic athletes that are clearly gifted by God to do amazing things, there's always going to be a question, right? What is it about us that want to, like, champion whatever's the best? It's amazing. You got there, the greatest, I believe, football player ever. How do you beat nine Super Bowl appearances, six Super Bowls? My friend from New England now, in Tampa with us here, Tom Brady. Look, everybody wants to know, is it, is it Brady? Is it Montana? What are the criteria? And, you know, my wife isn't, you know, she's an avid football player now, but I remember when we were dating in the early days, I remember going to a Patriots practice, and Tom Brady was just throwing the football, and my wife was like, What? There's just something different about him. Uh, when you watch him play live or watching Michael Jordan, like clearly there's a difference between them and everybody else playing the sport. Who's the greatest? Everybody debates who the greatest is. And the disciples actually had an argument, a disagreement with Jesus about who the greatest is. They were wondering who's the greatest. Matthew chapter 18 Verse 1, it said, at that time, the disciples came and they said, I want to know who the greatest is in the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that crazy? I mean, what, what kind of wild chatter is this? Come on, Lord, say it's me. No, 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 say it's me. Who is the greatest? And Jesus uh, makes a decision that he's going to answer their question in a way that none of us would ever imagine. And what the Lord did is he called a child forward. And then, now think about this. 
We are asking Jesus, are we the greatest? Who's the greatest? Tell us who the best is. And the Lord's answer to us, instead of being like, come on, fools, ain't it any of y'all? He said, he pulls a child up to him. And then he says, unless you change and become like children, you wouldn't even be fit to see the kingdom. Dude, we asked the Lord how to be the greatest in the kingdom, and he's telling us to change and become like children. What does that even mean, right? What is he saying to us? And I believe there's something in this scripture for us today that God wants us to change and become like children. And then he starts warning them about offenses. Really, offenses? What is the Lord saying in all this? What was he saying in all of this talk about being the greatest in the kingdom? Because I'm going to tell you something. We spend a lifetime wanting to get older, right? Look, true story. I had a dysfunctional childhood. I was emancipated at 15 years old. That was like the big thing when I was a kid. I want to legally break from my parents and there's issues and blah, blah, blah. And I had a really messed up childhood. But the reality is we spend a lifetime wanting to grow up, right? Only to realize when we get older, we need to become like children and change to be great. Children are amazing. I love my kids. I love children. But why did God say children? Why didn't he say, look at the squirrel? Or why didn't he say, you know, become like an old wise person? Or why didn't he say become like me? But he said change and become like children. And when you begin to think about children... You think about innocence. You think about wonder. You think about adventure. You think about, you know, life. Kids have an innocence and awe about them that is unmatched. You know, we want to get older and wiser, but the Lord's telling us today, I want you to become like kids, right? I want you to become like kids because there's an innocence and an awe about children that you and I need. Think about it. See, the world tells you that you need more power. You need more, you know, the world tells you you need to climb the ladder and and put yourself forward. And the father's like, be a child. When you think of children, you think of, you know, you can do anything. You can believe for anything. You are just full of joy, right? When you think of children, you think of laughter. You think of, you know, joy. You think of being enjoyable and you don't think about climbing the kingdom of heaven, becoming above everybody else, right? There's one thing we have to understand when it comes to your faith. None of us have graduated. That's why the Bible warns us of pride. It says that pride comes before the fall. Why? Because before you collapse, you're going to think that you've done something. The reality is, in a way, we're all in first grade. We all need to have the innocence of God restored in our lives. We all need to have, you know, that, that mind of like God can do anything. Because when you're with your father, there's protection. When you're with the father, there's safety. And I see a lot of people today, they get born again. They have the joy of the Lord as their strength. They love God. They believe you can do anything. And then truthfully, it's like religion comes. I remember I got born again, and some churches don't ever see souls saved. So the minute you get saved, it's like you're an alpaca at the Bronx Zoo. Oh, look, here's James. He just got saved from the projects. Because you're not even used to fruit being there. 
and everybody's treating you different. And I remember I got saved. It was so bizarre, man. I had one elder tell me to look out for this one, and everybody's trying to throw their garbage on me, and it was just like I was just done with it. Why? Because you're not used to seeing somebody changed. And when I got saved, man, I had that wonder of God. I thought God could do anything, but I knew quickly that there was an issue, right? People didn't live holy. People were cranky, and they were bitter. And what started out, Paul warned us in the Bible. He said, look, don't start out in the spirit and end in the flesh, because the devil wants nothing more for you to start out fresh in that race. You know, think about an Olympic race. How many of us truly were at the starting gate? We were down in our racing stance you know, the gun goes off and we're running a race with the Lord. But imagine if you run the race as soon as the gun goes off and you start finishing like you won. You ever seen like, obviously it's like a Jamaican or somebody way faster than us. They finish the race and then they're like just running around with their flag draped on them. Imagine if the Lord was like, all right, you're born again, go. And you start running and then you start dancing around like you have a flag over your back. That'd be bizarre. You haven't even started the race. Why are you acting like you've done something? And that's the challenge with faith. When I find Christians that think they know it, you've already lost. When I see believers that, um, you know, truthfully, the best thing you can do is hit reset. Somebody bought me a hard drive years ago when we had like big computers at a desk and, and, and they bought it for me. They wanted to bless me. It was a big Dell. And I remember I filled it with so much information, right? There was like uh, fireonthealtar.com was all these radical prophetic messages. And I was downloading it in music. And, you know, we did all. And, and I remember one point the computer wasn't working right anymore. It was crashing every time I tried to restart it. And I thought something was wrong. I'm not a techie guy. And at the time, I don't think there was geek squad around. So I ended up calling a professional to come. And it was rare in those days, but he came to the house. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with it. I, don't, I promise I'm not doing anything bad on it. All I do is go to Christian sites, but it crashes every time I start it. And he looked and he, before even touching it, he said, I think you've crashed your hard drive. What does that mean? He said, I think you've crashed your hard drive. What do you mean I've crashed it? You filled it with so much information that it can't operate anymore. Well, what's the answer? You need to put the CD in that you got the computer with and reset the whole thing, and you're going to wipe it out as if you just started the computer fresh. Can I tell you, there's some Christians watching right now. You need to get the hard drive reset. You, you know too much. You're so full of information that you're not effective. We need to see the awe of God restored. We need to see the wonder of God restored. Because as long as you and I are operating like we have it figured out, you're in trouble. So there are times in your life, I love it, reset your computer. And maybe you need to do that in your heart. Maybe you need to get to a point where today you're saying, God, just give me a reset. Look, I want you to call the number on the screen if that's you. Come on, God wants to touch you fresh today. He wants to hit the reset button, let all the garbage of religion be blown off your life, and let's, you know what you need to do? I don't care if you've been saved for 471 years, because I don't think 472, that'd be a lot. But if you've been saved for 471 years, you just need to lift your hands to heaven and go, Lord, teach me how to love. Teach me about the gifts of the Spirit. Teach me about your ways. Teach me what you want to do. Teach me how you operate in, in the spirit realm, man, because none of us have arrived. And pride will build you up, but it'll tear you down. What we need to do is the same thing 
that Jesus told the disciples. We want to be great. That's, that's scary, man. I've watched ambition kill more young men and women of God than ever because it's the arm of the flesh. They just think, oh, I have all these dreams in my own life, but the Bible is very clear that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Who is the Lord of your life? Where is that uh, innocence? Is it even there? One of the dangers of the end times, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, is in the end, the love of many will grow cold. We're watching it right now. We're watching it. God's moving, cranky. God's doing so much, cranky. You got to be careful with that stuff. We were a part a, a few weeks ago of organizing these amazing worship events in Florida. You wouldn't believe all the cranky people that came out. All right, I said to my wife, I never want to be the old guy sitting in the house coming against the move of God, even if I see problems in young people. What I want to do after the brief pause here is I want to show you how you can restore that innocence of a child in your life. You're watching here, you're like, Pastor, pray for me. I want to see that restored. Well, that's why we're doing this show today. Call that number on the screen. Stand by. You're going to hear a great opportunity in front of you. And most important, we're going to talk about how you restore that innocence. Because I'm going to tell you something, we need that. If we're going to go forward in what God has called us to do, we must see that innocence restored. We cannot operate like we know what's going on. This is an hour to yield to the Father, surrender everything, and love him with our whole heart, and watch God move powerfully. We'll see you in a moment. Breakthrough family, Abigail here. We want to thank you for tuning in today. As you know, this ministry has recently taken a big step of faith by going on television. We believe that God has opened this door and called us to spread the gospel message of power to America and the world. This step of faith is grounded on prayer and financial support. I want to invite you today to log on to jameslevesque.org and consider becoming one of our Breakthrough Partners. Starting at just $10 a month, Pastor James will offer personal mentoring and coaching. You'll be invited to participate with weekly Zoom calls and have access to a private Facebook page reserved for our partners. Our Breakthrough Partners are the backbone of all that we do. From our local church, to feeding the poor, to traveling the world, Pastor James is grateful for each and every one of you. Partner today and position yourself for greater breakthrough. Go to jameslevesque.org or call 1-800-599-3722. Our team is standing by to pray and help you today. Welcome back, everybody. And nanny, nanny, boo-boo, friends. We're becoming children today. That's what we're doing. Uh, we're talking about this, uh, this weird interaction where the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, we want to know who's the greatest in the kingdom? They were having a debate. And when they went to the Lord and said, who is it? Is it me? Is it you? How do we become great? Look, I'm, the truth is, it's not wrong to want to be great, right? We should all want to be great and do great for the Father. The challenge is, is when we get in the flesh and we start to look at ourselves as what's important. The truth is God brings the increase and it's really for his glory. So if you're willing, it's like finances. We have a hard time finding, like, oh, man, money's an issue. No, no, no. What you do with money is an issue. Finances will either help you and empower you to do more, or it's going to expose the greed that's already in your life, right? It's the same thing with the touch of God. I get young people all the time. They're like, I want power in my life. I want power. Great. What are you going to do with the power? Because what we fail to realize, it's power with a purpose, so see what I'm saying? So every time we want something great for God, he comes back to us and goes, what, is, what do you want this for? 
do you want me to move for you and your intellect and for you to get greater understanding and you to think you're something? Or do you want more from me so you can do more for me? Because it's all about Jesus. And when the disciples came to him and they said, man, how do we become a child? Like, I mean, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus said, you want to be great? Yeah, we do. We want to be great. Change. And become like children. Because it's in that innocence and in that love that you're going to see breakthrough and miracles take place. Look at kids. Just watch. If you have them in your house right now, just look around the room. Look at children. We have a lot of young girls around us. We have a lot of kids. You look at the kids. They're innocent, man. They think they can do anything. There's unlimited potential. And when our friends get together, it's amazing watching our kids. They're in that, they're in that age right now. And when we watch the kids, we watch them play. And like little girls, without any understanding, they'll start cooking, playing house, playing dress up, wanting to wear makeup for real. These girls are crazy. Wanting to put jewelry on. You realize nobody has to do that to kids. It's naturally in them to want to do that, right? No one's being chauvinistic here, ladies and gentlemen. Open your eyes to an innocence that God has put in men and women. These girls, want to, they want to play house. They want to be a wife. They want to cook. And, and I remember one time one little girl was like, I'm cooking dinner, Isaac, and, and what are you doing? And he's like, I'm the, I'm the fireman, and I'm coming home from putting out fires. <laughs> what, dude? Right? Girls want to prepare and play house and be moms and wives, and boys want to, like, blow things up and be a fireman. Listen, somebody said, well, what if my, my boy wants to put a dress on? That's called from the pit of hell, ladies and gentlemen. Your boy wasn't designed by God to put a dress on. That's a parent problem. You understand me? That's what's the problem with today. You got to go to schools and be like, what do you, what's your deal? I'm not putting my son in your school when you're catering to all this garbage. We used to call that crazy and demonic back in the day. So the bottom line is God has wired you a certain way. Society, if it can get you to question those things, then you're going to give into what hell wants. But the reality is, God has made us this way. My son wants to play fire. I mean, it's amazing. No, you have to understand, we don't teach kids that. That's how they naturally are. If you're watching, you're like, man, I want that innocence of a child. I want to be great in the kingdom. Call that number. We're going to pray for you today that you would change and become like a child. Then you, I know you'll be great in the kingdom. Girls putting makeup on. It's crazy. We were in Montana recently. This like seven-year-old girl had makeup on. I'm like, what? Oh, actually, what happened was she had to get her school pictures done, and they didn't know. She slipped her mom's makeup on, and by the time they got the pictures printed for school, they were like, yo, what happened to you? She took her mom's makeup and put lipstick on for the photo. Kids are crazy. I have a Jeep Wrangler. My son has a toy Wrangler. Everything's to be bigger. Everything's to be an adult. Everything's to be, it's an innocence of knowing that there's great ahead of you. You know what you have to teach kids? You don't have to teach them to be a fireman because that's naturally what they want to do. You actually have to teach kids to be critical. Think about it. I have to tell my son, Isaac, if a man in the van pulls up uh, with some candy, come on, we are in Florida. If the man in the van pulls up with candy, don't go in the van. Like the other day we were, we were at the beach and my son Luke disappeared. I'm like, where is he? And we're looking and he ran back to where basically we parked to get a towel, and I'm so upset. And I'm like, Luke, you can't go. What are you doing? You can't leave my sight. 
You know what he said to me? He said, why? What do you mean, why? Luke, we don't know all these people. Some crazy, there's always a Florida man on TV. I'm kidding, I live here, I love it. I said, look, Luke, somebody can pick you up and take you. He didn't have an understanding that somebody could kidnap him. Why, Daddy? Why can't I just walk anywhere I want to go? Because people are evil, Luke, and I don't know everyone's intentions. And somebody could take you, somebody could hurt you, you know, and plus you need to be in my sight. I'm in control of you. I have ownership over you right now to raise you. I could get in trouble if I, don't, if I lose you. Kids don't even have that grid. They're like, what? Why can't I just do whatever I want? Sometimes I want to just take my one-and-a-half-year-old and just let her do whatever she wants. Just go. Let me see where you end up. Like, she just walks like she knows where she's going. It's crazy. But you have to teach kids. Trust. When I went to Africa, I went to Ghana. We were, we were uh, feeding orphanages. Um, it's amazing. We brought kids candy. We helped them out. We, you know, there we are with all the orphans when I was in Africa. Let me tell you what's amazing about kids. They didn't have the things that you and I probably have. But boy, were they happy. Those kids, I thought I was bringing them candy and sugar. Boy, they were bouncing off the wall. I gave them markers. It was crazy. True story. They actually came, they came back and like drew tattoos on their body. I'm like, oh no, you know, they just, all they see is Westerners and they want to be wealthy and they want to have what you and I have. But you know, those kids changed my life because what they did is they taught me about joy. They don't have half the things you have, but you know what they do have? Peace. You know what they do have? An assurance that they're going to be taken care for in the orphanage. That's amazing. Kids always trust. They're always happy. They don't even know there's anything different. We've taken our kids to the Middle East. We've taken them to the West Bank. We took our kids, what, last year? You don't want to go to the West Bank, dude. It's a scary place. We took our kids to Jordan. Like legit, like, like Indiana Jones, dude. And people didn't, they didn't understand. They were like, why would you take your kids here? Uh, because the Lord called us to go there? Why would you do this? And can I tell you something? My kids, I, I should have had the pictures. It's this long walk from like, you know, uh, Israel into Jordan. And the crazy thing is, there's people, like literally they hate each other. So they had to drop one of us off at a bus. We had to walk to the other bus. And then we're, when they dropped us off at the gate, and, me, and my whole family, it was like, like we were in prison. We had to walk this long walk in the desert with guys with guns pointing at us the whole time, security guards everywhere. Why would we do that? Let me tell you something. My, first of all, God called us. Second of all, my kids, you would have thought they were at Disney World. Daddy, there's a camel. Yep, I know. <laughs> As we're riding that second bus, the guy that was running the bus was like, yeah, pray for me, guys. My brother was the one doing the other tours. And uh, I think yesterday he said that ISIS blew his bus up on the way on the same trip we were taking. My kids don't even know what ISIS is, ladies and gentlemen. You know why? Because they're with their father. Here's the challenge. Jesus is telling you to change and become like kids so you would restore trust. You, don't have, you have to teach kids to be, um, to be wise and to almost be skeptical. But adults, oh, man, y'all are some, we are a bunch of skeptics. Kids have to change and become a little more wiser. Adults have to change and become a little more innocent. Think about that. What could you accomplish and believe God for if you just believed? 
if you weren't hurt. And because here's what happens. The measuring stick for what you believe God can do is the lack that you've seen in the past. Oh, I've heard that, brother. Oh, I've already seen this before. Look, you need to call the number on the screen. We want to pray for you. There are some of you watching right now. You become hard hearted. You become disenfranchised. You become hurt. Today's the day that you call and receive your miracle. Seriously, call that number, 1-800-599-3722, 1-800-599-3722, because today's a day that that innocence is restored in your life. We must change, Jesus said, and become like children if we want any part of the kingdom. I don't know about you, but I want to become like a child. And becoming like a child is complete trust. What are you facing today? Do you have trust in your father? What are you believing for? Because, you know, here's the thing. The reason my kids were on the bus and ISIS can blow it up and they're not concerned and they're walking around gun regions and, I mean, it's crazy. My son is literally walking around places in Israel and he's like, Daddy, why does that car look like it was on fire? Because uh, it was, son. Why, why are people have guns everywhere? Why do I hear gunshots? Because we are, son. He had no concern. You want to know why? Because complete trust that he was with his father. My kids just believe. They believe I'm going to take care of them. They believe I'm going to protect them. And do we have that same trust with our Father in heaven? Do we really believe that when all is said and done, God is our protector and he's our peace? Well, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Neither did my kids, but they knew they were with me. I don't know if God's going to come through. I don't know what's going to happen with my divorce. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. Layoffs, I still haven't worked because of COVID. Who are we trusting? Are we trusting the Lord today? (coughs) Are we trusting him for every area of your life? Because that is how we change and become great. When I went to India, when I went to Africa, you know what happened when I left these places, which are considered third world? And dude, I became more impacted than than they did. Because I realized that they were doing more with less. And in America... In Canada, we have everything we want, right? I mean, there's so plenty. Even the poor in this nation are wealthy compared to the world. What are we doing? Are we allowing God to change our heart or are we finding ourselves struggling? And look, if you're watching right now, maybe your heart is hard, right? Maybe you have uh, become cold. Maybe you don't even know God, dude. Maybe you're watching this, you're like, man, I just don't even know who God is. And But I want that. I want that trust. I want that peace. Man, life is full of purpose only if you know Jesus. Call that number on the screen. We want to pray for you right this second. We have people standing by. Call the number. Say, man, I want to become born again. I want to give my life back to Jesus. I want to see that innocence restored in my life. And some of you, you just become cranky Christians. Exhausting Christianity, barrenness, abounds. And some of you need to change today and become like children. You want to be great. It's okay. I want to be great. But I want to be Jesus great. I don't want to be world great. I don't want to be, you know, barren great. See, I never got into ministry to want to be on TV or to have books or to do. It's not a business to me. When I got saved, I knew I wouldn't live any other way but giving my life to what God wanted. And he direct my path. So it's just an overflow. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for innocence being restored today. I thank you that your hand is upon every person watching, and I pray that that innocence would be restored, that we would look to you and trust you in every situation. Father, we know 
that all things work together for the good of those who trust. We trust you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Call the number on the screen. 24 hours we're here. Legit. Call us. Let us pray for you. We love you. Signing off. Thank you for rocking. We're breaking through. Are you ready to ignite your faith? Then look no further than Pastor James Levesque's new book, Fire, preparing for an end-time outpouring. This book contains 12 principles that will unlock the power within and cause you to walk in a new level of boldness and power. For a suggested donation of only $12.99, we will send you a personal autographed copy. Log on to jameslevesque.org and get your copy today.